Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 simply says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you read further down in Romans chapter 5 and verse 9, it says, Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. When you take both of those together, you realize that justification is that act of God whereby he pardons our sins and he declares us to be righteous in his sight because of the righteousness of Christ imputed to us. But that justification that we receive by faith is something that is purchased for us by the blood of Christ. We are justified by faith, yes, but it's through faith in his blood, as another portion in Romans chapter 3 reminds us. Whenever the question was asked by the jailer, what must I do to be saved? He received a very simple answer from Paul and Silas in the prison. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Hence, we see the importance of faith, the importance of believing, the importance of trusting, whatever other word you want to use to describe that act. Faith, trusting, looking, leaning upon, depending upon. There must be this belief if you are to be saved. We should ask the question, how is it that faith actually does justify a sinner? After all, Romans 5.1 tells us that we're justified by faith. We're justified by faith. What that means is that faith is the device, if you like. It's the means by which we come into possession of salvation because faith or trust leans upon or lays hold upon the righteous merits of Christ. It was the great R.L. Dabney, Southern theologian, who said, there's a difference between the instrumental cause of justification and the meritorious cause. And what he said was this, faith, our faith is the instrumental cause of justification only. But it is not the meritorious cause. In other words, there is no merit in your faith. Some people want to trust in their faith and say, it's, it's by my faith that I'm saved. No, <clears throat> your faith lays hold upon that which saves you, i.e. the justifying blood of Christ. Always remember this. Faith is but the instrument. Faith is the device that God employs by which justification comes into our possession. We lay hold upon it by faith. But it's not our faith that we trust in. That's why sometimes people get all bogged down by the fact that they don't believe strongly enough. They feel like their faith is not strong enough, it's not great enough 
But remember that if your faith is as a mustard seed, which is the smallest of seeds, it's what that faith is in that counts. It's not the faith itself and the quality of it. It's what that faith is trusting in. That's what saves you. It's Christ who is the meritorious cause of salvation. I stand upon his merit, not the merit of my faith, his merit. I know no other stand, not even where glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. All the merit in salvation is in Christ and his work. Let me show you this in Romans 3, verse 24. Being justified freely by his grace. So there's a third thing. Romans 5, 1 says we're justified by faith. Romans 5, 9 says we're justified by his blood. But now Romans 3 and 24 says that we're justified by his grace. It's through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Faith is just the instrument that lays hold upon the blessing. All the merit is in the righteous work of Christ, the redemption of Christ. And so when we think about faith as the justifying means, if you like, the instrumental cause of justification, there's a couple of things that we have to notice. And the first of those is that that faith is objective. When I say that something is subjective, it's something that is within me that rests upon what is in me. But when something is objective, it's something that is apart from me. So faith is objective in its look, in the direction in which it looks. Faith is objective. You see, it rests on Christ alone. It doesn't rest on anything else. It doesn't rest on anything else. Faith that justifies rests upon, relies upon, depends upon Christ alone. So again, I emphasize this. The value is all in the object of faith, not in its exercise. If you get all bogged down in the exercise of faith, that's when you start thinking, I wonder is my faith strong enough? You start going back over your life and think, well, remember that time when I believed on the Lord? I wonder if my faith in him was was strong enough. I wonder, did I believe greatly enough? I wonder, did I trust really with all of my heart? And so all your focus is subjective. It's on your act of faith. But that's not where you should be looking. It's what your faith is in. It's what your trust is in. That's what matters. The value is all in the object of faith, not in the exercise of faith. This is so important, I must emphasize it. It is not what faith looks like, it's what faith looks to that really matters. Get that into your mind and heart. It's what my faith looks unto that really matters, because my faith is not the basis of my righteousness. It is what that faith is resting upon. Let's go back to Romans 3, verse 26. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. 
See that? Which believeth in Jesus, he is the object of our faith. I really believe too many folks get bogged down in examining the quality of their own faith or their own repentance. I wonder, was it enough? Uh, Did I believe strongly enough? Was I sincere enough when I prayed that prayer? Did I really repent of all my sins? And they get all bogged down in this. Is it enough? Is it sincere enough? But the fact of the matter is that faith that looks to Christ is the same in every believer. And it has an equal value in every believer. It's not that because you're strong in your faith or you're weak in your faith that therefore you're saved and you're not saved. No, it's not like that. In fact, I want to show you a verse that's found in 2 Peter chapter 1. It's 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 1. These are the introductory words in the second epistle here. And he immediately points to this. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Watch this. To them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. You see where that righteousness comes from? What it looks to? It's through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. But what kind of faith is it? They have obtained like precious faith with us. If I were to translate that from the original literally, it really signifies faith that is of equal worth or faith that is of the same value. In other words, Christ is the object of saving trust to every single Christian so that every single Christian has the same perfect standing. You're not any more saved than I am. I'm not any more saved than you are. Because we all obtain like precious faith. If it's faith through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, then it's faith of the same kind. That's the thought. We all share the same type of faith. It's a faith that rests upon the Lord Jesus. It is of equal worth. It's Jesus Christ who saves. That's really the point that I'm making. Tell it. The hymn says all around that Jesus saves. Send the message far and wide that Jesus saves. It's Jesus who saves. Nothing else. No one else. In Luke chapter 18, I want to point you to that scripture. There's a parable that's given. In Luke chapter 18, from verse 14, the Lord Jesus gave this parable of the publican, the tax collector, and the Pharisee in the temple. And it tells us about the Pharisee, that he boasted about all of his good works and what he had done, what he hadn't done, that he fasted, he gave tithes and all of that. It was a bragging session. But verse 13, the publican, the tax collector, 
standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, which was an act of contrition, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Really, the thought is, be propitious. Look upon me with favor, because you're looking upon the blood of the sacrifice. Now, what did Jesus say about that? Verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Why was this tax collector justified? Not because of the words he used in prayer. It's because the object of his trust was the atoning, propitiating blood. Lord, look upon me as when thou lookest upon the blood. That's the thought there. Be propitious. God, be merciful. It's in that word merciful. It has to do with the mercy seat and the blood. To me, a sinner. The object of his trust was the atoning blood. Now, I can tell you that if you look to Christ's work, you will not be disappointed. Because God is not disappointed. God is satisfied with the work of his Son. And so, again, as I've often said, I may be satisfied with what God is satisfied with. Where is your trust this morning? Are you trusting in your faith, in the size of it, in the quality of it, what it looks like? Or are you not looking to your faith at all? Your faith is looking to Jesus. This is what saves us. I think the idea that we must have a perfect faith is false. You can have a trembling faith, and that faith is genuine. You can have a faith that is real, and yet you quake and tremble even as you exercise it. It's not a perfect faith, and it's not a perfect faith that I need. It's a faith that looks to a perfect Savior. That's what I need. My dependence needs to be upon Christ. Justifying faith, I say then, is objective in its look. It looks away from itself, and it looks to Christ. Remember the one in Scripture who came to the Lord Jesus in certain circumstances, and they said, Lord, I believe. Help thy mine unbelief. Doesn't that sound like a contradiction? It sounds a bit like an oxymoron in a sense. How, how can you have a, a, an unbelieving belief? How can you be someone who has faith and yet confessing that you're full of unbelief? Well, that's the way it is with every true child of God. Oftentimes we're like that man. Lord, I believe. I know I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. We feel ourselves to be taken with unbelief. We're unbelieving believers. So yes, we have a faith that's weak. It's a weak and trembling faith at times. But it's a faith that is in a strong and powerful and an omnipotent Savior who can't fail. I'm not trusting in my faith. I'm trusting in one who can never fail. 
That's what my faith is in. And that's what makes faith a saving grace. It's the fact that it receives and rests upon Jesus Christ alone for salvation as he's offered to us in the gospel. That's how the catechism puts it. And that's based upon scripture. Faith is a saving grace that receives and rests upon Jesus Christ alone for salvation as he is offered freely to us in the gospel. Again, you see this in Isaiah chapter 44, the gospel in the Old Testament. Isaiah 44 and verse 22. Wonderful scripture. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. The merit is all in the object of our faith. It's a saving look that we take to Christ because of his perfect righteousness to whom we're looking. Again, as Rutherford's great hymn puts it, I stand upon his merit. He's all my righteousness. Why should God allow me into heaven? Jesus died for me. Christ is the object of my trust. Is the, the object of your trust? Is that what you're looking to for your salvation? It's something that's everywhere underlined in the Scriptures. I could give you so many different texts, proof texts of this. Acts 26 mentions faith that is in me. Faith that is in me. It's not just faith. It's a faith that is objective, that looks to Christ. I'm not, frankly, trusting in my trusting. I don't have faith in my faith. We're not justified because of faith. We're not justified on account, on account of our faith, but through faith. In other words, faith is the instrument. It's the channel by which God's righteousness comes to us. And again, I say this is taught throughout the Bible. In the book of Galatians chapter 3, which again is right in the middle of a wonderful description of justification, an explanation of it. It tells us, Galatians 3, verses 8 and 9, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. The great theologian Louis Burkhoff in his theology says, Faith justifies insofar as it takes possession of Christ. We should guard against the error of the Roman Catholics and the Arminians that man is justified on the basis of his own inherent righteousness or of his faith man's own righteousness or faith can never be the ground of his justification. This can be found only in the perfect righteousness 
of Jesus Christ, unquote. True faith justifies because by laying hold on the righteousness of the Lord Jesus, it's actually renouncing all human effort and any supposed righteousness of its own. The sinner is forsaking his own righteousness. And that was illustrated in the Apostle Paul. Remember how he gave his testimony in Philippians chapter 3? And he listed all the things that were his spiritual credentials. How that he was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was this, he was that, the other thing. He did all these different things. But then he said all those things that he counted as gain, he then counted as loss for the sake of Christ. He realized that there was no righteousness that he had of his own, that all the righteousness that he had that would be meritorious was in Jesus Christ. And Paul is the same man who expounds in both Romans and in Galatians the great theme that we're talking about, which is justification by faith. Faith is not a work. But as one man put it, faith is a ceasing from work. Let's remember this. Faith is not a work that satisfies God. Faith is a ceasing from work. It has no merit. It pleads no merit of its own. But it lays hold solely upon the saving merit of Christ. Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 1 and 30 that he's made unto us righteousness. Jeremiah 23, 6 contains those great words, Jehovah Sith Kenu. It means the Lord our righteousness. And that righteousness, it's called a gift. It's called a free gift. It's called the gift that is by grace in the book of Romans. Salvation, yes, it's by faith, but it is by faith that it might be by grace. Justification is by faith in Jesus Christ because faith is a receiving and a trusting to Jesus as our Savior, as having done all that is necessary to secure our acceptance with God. That's it. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. That's my trust. That's what I'm leaning upon. He's the one to whom I'm looking. Nothing else. No one else. And nothing of myself. The great Heidelberg Catechism asked this question. Why does faith alone justify? And here's the answer. Not because I please God with the worth of my faith, but because only Christ's satisfaction, righteousness and sanctity are my justice in the presence of God. But I am able to be near this justice by no other method than by embracing faith. It's not on account of any virtue in your faith. It's not on account of any goodness or worth in your faith that God saves you. But as that faith unites you, the believer, to Christ. And it involves acceptance of him as your 
righteousness. You know what a lot of people do when they're not sure of their salvation? They immediately look at the quality or the size of their own faith. That's what they do. They think back to that day when they believed they were saved and they start examining that faith that they had. They start unpacking it and wondering, well, was it strong enough? Was it really genuine enough? And the whole thing that they're doing all that time is examining the quality of the faith. Instead of asking themselves, what was my faith looking to? What am I depending upon for salvation? Am I depending on something that I did? Like saying a prayer, or walking an aisle, or lifting a hand at an appeal? Or am I looking to what Christ did? Because God's not going to save you any other way but by receiving Christ and resting upon him and his work alone for your salvation. It's simple trust in the finished work of Christ that saves you. You have to be brought to actually trust in Jesus. Faith is not only something that is objective in its look. It is something that is ordained by the Lord. The Lord has ordained it. This is the means. You must be brought to actual trust in Christ. Faith, as I emphasized earlier, is not the meritorious cause. It's the instrumental cause of salvation. When you're eating something out of a bowl with a spoon, do you say that it's The spoon that's all important. I've got this spoon. I'm looking to this spoon and that's what's going to satisfy me. No. What the spoon does is it takes that which is in the bowl and transfers it to your mouth. And therein is the benefit. You receive the benefit of what's in the bowl just by means of the spoon. That's all that the spoon is. It's just a means of transferring the goodness from that bowl to your mouth. That's what faith is. Faith lays hold upon the goodness of Christ. It lays hold upon all that he is. And faith brings him to us. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God's own chosen means whereby we come into the experience of union with Christ. Now, the question is, where does that faith come from? It certainly doesn't come from yourself. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that. For by grace, which is unmerited favor, are you saved through faith or by means of faith. And that faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Your faith by which Christ comes to you, that faith that lays hold upon Christ doesn't come from yourself. You didn't think it up one day. You didn't just turn it on one day like a faucet. It's something that God gave to you. God gives saving faith. It's God's own chosen means whereby sinners come into the experience of union with Christ. You must believe on him. I remember at various points foolishly wasting my time listening to Harold Camping's nightly question and answer session 
uh, open forum. I can hear them yet. And people would ask questions. And he would never, ever tell people to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Never. He would tell them more or less just to wait. That was his gospel, wait. And if you find within yourself a sincere desire to seek after God, to serve God, then that's an evidence perhaps that you're saved. But I remember thinking to myself, it's almost like this is something that just happens and you're not really aware of it. And one day you, you, you find it, oh, I'm saved. I likened it to a frog turning into a prince. How wrong that is. You don't just become saved. That's the, the phrase that he used to use all the time. You become saved. A bit like a frog becoming a prince. No, God's chosen means is that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said it, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. He didn't say sit there and do nothing and wait and see whether God might save you or not. God might have mercy on you, but then he might not have mercy on you. So just find out in the end whether he'll have mercy on you. That's not the gospel. The gospel is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And it's your duty to believe. Oh, but we can't believe because we're dead in sins. That's right. But with the command of God, there comes the ability to perform. When God commands sinners to come to him, those who are his will come to him. He will enable them to come. He will give them the power to come and experience union with Christ. You don't just become saved one day. You come to Christ. You put your trust in him. How often Paul talked about this. He talked about those who were in Christ before him. In Romans chapter 16, I believe it is where he was referring to those who had trusted the Lord. In, in Ephesians, he used that term as well. In, Roman, uh, sorry, in Ephesians chapter 1, and in verse 12, he said that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. See that? Twice he mentions it. You trusted in Christ, and you believed. Have you believed? Have you trusted in Christ? Have you actually come to him? I know this is denied by many, among many of the strict and particular Baptists in England, they deny what they call duty faith. I try to tell you that it's a heresy to tell men that it's their duty to believe. I'm here to tell you that the Bible says that faith is a duty. You are commanded to believe. You are commanded to repent. If it's commanded, then it's your duty. You must come to Christ. Now, of course, the Spirit's work in regeneration, 
where a person is born again is an invisible miracle that we have no part in. But that miracle actually produces something. What does it produce? It imparts faith in Christ to the sinner's heart. What what does the Spirit of God do when he regenerates a man? He causes that man to believe on Jesus. That's what he does. That's his work. And I can tell you this morning, you are not a believer unless you have believed. You're not a Christian unless you have actually come to Christ. I've asked people in in the past, when did you become a Christian? And I know by their answer that they're not Christians. Because the answer that they've given me is, I was always a Christian. Well, if that's what you believe, that you were always a Christian, you're not saved. Because there has to come a point in your life when you turn from your sins and you trust in Christ. There must come a point in your life when you turn from sin to become a child of God. That's when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not a Christian unless you have believed. And it is unless you have believed in his precious blood. That's how you're saved. You'll not go to heaven without saving faith in the blood. And when we're saved, the Holy Ghost is a bit like that one in the Old Testament who said, Wilt thou go with this man? Remember that story? Isaac and Rebecca, wilt thou go with this man? The believing soul like her says, I will. I will. Are you a saved person this morning? How can you be saved? Well, it's very simple, isn't it? John chapter 1, verse 12. To as many as received him, that's Christ, to them gave he the power, which means the right or the privilege, to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Faith justifies the sinner because it's objective in its look. It's that which the Lord has ordained as the means by which salvation is brought to your heart. It is for you to believe. And may the Lord bring men and women who are unbelievers, even today, to justifying faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. May you be enabled to say, along with those that are the Lord's, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow.